Good morning, church. Good to be with you all this morning. Uh, man, my wife and I just got back uh, late yesterday afternoon with 20 of our youth. From uh, you, We got one epic week coming. I think our youth would say we just experienced one epic week, right? And we had a great time at high school camp. We were with 200 other kids from nine other churches across uh, Washington and Oregon uh, down at Wasco Valley, uh, Wasco County Fairgrounds. And it was truly a, a, a tremendous week for our students to be able to engage with the Lord, engage in the book of Daniel, and, uh, and be grow in their own walk with Christ. And uh, it was a great week. Thank you for those of us who were, who were praying and uh, who were supporting us through that. It, it, tremendous week of ministry. Uh, we have another uh, epic week coming up as well. We in Friday, uh, we have a Honduras team leaving, a team headed to Honduras to serve uh, down at Kalan School, one of our mission partners. Uh, if you'd like to pray along with us and the team, you, there's some prayer calendars out in the lobby. We'd love encourage you to pick this up. Uh, if you'd like to pray with us as we get ready to go, meet us at the airport Friday at, uh, I think it says 6.30. Uh, and you can pray for the team and send them on their way. There are six of us headed down there to serve for the week. And uh, again, we don't go by ourselves. We are sent by you. Uh, we are an extension of you. This is your team. This is South Hills serving in Honduras, and we're excited to be able to be a part of that. We're continuing with the Unstuck series this morning that we've been going through this summer. Last uh, week, Scott spoke about guilt. Uh, this week is about commitment. Interesting combination of topics. Um, we don't want you to feel guilty today, but we are trusting that the Spirit is going to move and that we're each going to be challenged in our own life what God has for us. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just invite your Spirit into this room today. Lord, we ask that you would show us from your Word what it is you want us to learn Areas in our life that maybe we need to shift or adjust. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me this morning. That it would be your word that's proclaimed and not my own. That it's your name lifted up and not anybody else's. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at commitment this morning and the reality is... Commitment has a cost, but so does lack of commitment. Commitment has a cost to it, but lack of commitment has a cost as well. If you think about it, I, Mel and I bought our first house just over a year ago, uh, and that's a commitment. I mean, yeah, you got the commitment of the down payment, you got the commitment of the mortgage, but we were renters for almost 30 years of marriage. There's a little less commitment as a renter, right? We were living in uh, Tim and Sandy Mainwaring's place, and, you know, something broke. I'd call Tim. Hey, Tim, it's broken. And Tim would come fix it. It breaks now. Hey, Tim. No, no, <laughs> I got to fix it. There's a commitment that comes with owning a home, that I'm making this commitment to buy a house, and, and there's more than just the initial commitment. It's an ongoing commitment. But there's a benefit to it as well, right? A benefit to having a house. You build that equity. You've got that stability. But there's a cost that comes with it. Been married just over 30 years now. Mel and I, I love her still much more today than I did when we first met. And, uh, but when we first met, 
And then I dropped on that knee, and then we stood before our friends and family and had that wedding ceremony and that commitment. There was a cost that comes with that commitment. Relationally, I've got to invest. I've got to have eyes for her. It can't just be about me, and we got to, I've got to pay attention to her, and, and we got to dialogue, and I've got to communicate with her and, and all these different things. There's commitment that comes with that relationship. There's a cost that comes with that commitment. But there's also a cost if I never committed. If I didn't commit to Mel, if I just decided to go through life on my own and wander aimlessly. Well, if you're single that you're wandering aimlessly, I know that's where I'd be. But there's a cost to not having commitment. Or if I entered into that marriage relationship with Mel and I wasn't fully committed to her, there'd be a greater cost, wouldn't there? Commitment carries a cost, but so does lack of commitment. It carries a cost as well. Sometimes we don't realize that cost is immediately, but it carries a toll, and it wears on us, and there's a cost. Jesus had large crowds gathering him. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to open to the book of Luke. If you don't have a Bible, you would, it's on the sheet that you were given. The passage was on that sheet. Uh, We're walking through the Gospels with this Unstuck series, and uh, today the story we have is out of the book of Luke, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament, uh, chapter 14. Uh, We're just coming, uh, been wandering through some things, and Jesus in this section, man, he is quite the popular dude. Everybody wants to be around him. I mean, he's fed 5,000 people. He's been healing people. He's been doing all sorts of miracles. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me as we read Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. Luke 14, beginning in verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, that person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other one is still long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You may be seated. Uh, We're going to use four Fairly common idioms just to kind of outline this passage briefly before we do some other things this morning in the service. But the first idiom that maybe you're familiar with is the idea of count the cost. 
Count the cost. Again, going back to buying the house, we had to count the cost. What could we afford with the mortgage? If we had this down payment, how much can we afford monthly? Well, we still pay the other expenses and eat and put gas in the car, and now that's even getting more expensive, and eating's getting more expensive. But you got to count the cost, right? I have to count the cost. The same is true following Jesus. Large crowds, it says there, started following him. He was popular. He was the in thing. Let's follow him and see what's going on. And Jesus knew the people were just following along on the bandwagon. And he wanted to know, are you willing to count the cost? Because commitment has a cost. But so does lack of commitment. So he turns to them and says, anyone who does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, cannot be my disciple. Oh, wait a minute. Now, Jesus, you know the Ten Commandments, right? Because the Ten Commandments say, honor your father and mother. Matter of fact, Paul in the book of Ephesians says, that's the first commandment with a promise, so that you may live long. So I'm supposed to honor my father and mother, and now this rogue preacher is telling me to hate my mother and father. And you have to understand the cultural context here because in the Jewish culture, the family unit was tight. It was a contextual culture and, and everything revolved around the family unit and you supported the family unit. And, you know, if you had, uh, if your mom lost your dad, then mom came and lived with you. You took care of them. And now Jesus is saying, hate Mother and father? But you see, the word hate here in the text actually means to love less. Love less. So here's my love for my mom and dad. It needs to be a little less than my love for Jesus. Can't swap it this way. And you see, the culture in which we live, where there is so much tension within families and estranged families and divorces and, and kids who don't talk to fam- mom and dad or don't talk to other siblings, you know, this doesn't, I don't think, carry the same weight. Because you might, there might actually be people who are sitting here or listening online and go, well, you know, that, that's not a hard thing to do, to love my family less than I love Jesus, because my family's not very loving. So to add a little emphasis, Jesus says, even your own life. Yeah, I can love Jesus more than my family. Not hard right now. Love Jesus more than my own life? Oh, wait a minute. Do I place Jesus in a higher place of priority in terms of my commitment, my love, my energy, my passion than my life? My family, my job, my stuff, my vacation, my fill-in-the-blank. That's the question, the challenge of commitment. Where does Jesus rank in your list of priorities? Because he wants to be the first place, the priority, and everything else fills in underneath. 
And a lot of us can sit here on a Sunday and say, yes, I will lift your name on high. Yes, I will praise your name. But Monday, you would never know it. Jesus wants first place. What priorities in your life are getting in the way of a full commitment to Jesus? Because commitment has a cost. But so does lack of commitment. I remember when uh, Mel and I first got married and we were headed to Australia as missionaries. And my parents were excited. They were very supportive of us going. Until Christina was born. The first grandchild. And my dad said, I'm actually praying God doesn't take you. It was full on commitment. My parents knew it. We were taking the first grandchild with us to the other side of the world. Because that's what God asked us to do. Interestingly, God's moving us back into missions now. At the end of the year, we're going on staff full time with World Venture. But we're staying in Kennewick. Because we believe for this season, God has asked us to have a ministry to my parents and supporting them with my mom as she has late stage Alzheimer's. At one point, we said, no, we're leaving mom and dad and going. Now we're saying we're supporting mom and dad and still going. What is that priority? What is God asking you to do? And it's going to look different for each of us as we each count the cost. But we don't just count the cost. Jesus also calls us to carry our cross. Carry your cross. He says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We have to carry our cross. Now, people like to say, yeah, that's my cross to bear. My neighbor has, plays loud music all the time. Or my boss doesn't like me. Or... But carrying the cross isn't passive submission. Carrying the cross is active surrender. Jesus picked up his device of torture and carried it up to a hill so he could die on it, willingly laying down his life, giving everything. Why? Because he loves you and he desires to have a relationship with you and he knew that the only way you could have that relationship is by him dying on the cross and coming back to life. So he actively surrendered his life, picked up his cross, and took the step forward. That's what carrying your cross is about. It's not passive submission to stuff that happens to you. It's an actively saying, God, I'm going to lay this aside. It was Mel and I saying, we're going to lay aside the fact that we would love to have Christina have her grandparents right close by. We're going to lay that aside because we're going to go there to do this. And for you, it might look like something different. What is Jesus actively asking you to surrender so that he can have a place of priority in your life? Count the cost. Carry your cross. Prove your mettle. Prove your mettle. He goes on and says in the passage, two little illustrations. One is about a guy who wants to build a tower, but has to first sit down and can't figure out if he's got what it takes to build it. The other is a king about to go to war with another king, and he has to sit down and consider whether he's got what it takes to fight the battle. And usually when we look at this, we think of it as ourselves. We're the ones building the tower, or we're the king and going to battle. And I read a couple of uh, 
commentators who spun that on its head and they said that Jesus is the builder and Jesus is the king and he's looking to find those that will help him that are worthy of being able to help build the tower, that are a part of his army. Are you and I the material that Jesus can use to build that tower? Are you and I the soldiers he can use in the battle? Are we willing to prove our mettle to be used by Jesus to accomplish his tasks, which is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? Salvation is free. He died on the cross. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change. You don't have to give. You don't have to do anything. He says, please come. I want you to be my child. No requirements. But if you truly want to follow in his footsteps, you truly want to be a disciple, you want to become more and more and more like Jesus, it's going to cost something. It's going to take effort. I don't get this body just laying around, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) If I want to get fit, it costs something. I stop eating the sugar. I get up in the morning and I exercise. It takes energy. It takes effort. I lean into it. If my spiritual body is going to get fit, it takes energy and effort. It doesn't just happen. Commitment has a cost, but so does lack of commitment. He finishes those two little um, illustrations with this phrase, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Is he telling you to give up everything? I don't know, maybe. I can't answer that question on your behalf. But the word there in the original language means to say goodbye to. Are you willing to say goodbye to? Clifford and Jennifer are having to say goodbye to family, to friends, to life they know here. They're willing to say goodbye so that they can be used of God in the Philippines. Last idiom, and then we're going to switch gears here, is worth your salt. Count the cost, carry your cross, prove your mettle, and worth your salt. Jesus finishes with this illustration that almost feels out of place for the rest of the dialogue. It says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Salt in the, back in this day was, had great value. Matter of fact, it was so valuable, soldiers were often paid in salt because it was a preservative and it added flavor. And you go, well, salt can't lose its saltiness. Well, the salt you and I get is extremely purified. But back then, salt was easily diluted. If it got stuff in it, it was diluted, and it didn't carry the same preservative or flavorful effect. And that's just a reminder to me that in my desire to be committed to Jesus, my desire to be follow him as a disciple, I have to be careful that I don't get diluted. My commitment doesn't get diluted by the pleasure of this world, by the distractions of this world, by other priorities. I have to keep my saltiness pure so that I can be a flavor in this world, so that I can be a preservative in this world. Because commitment has a cost, but so does lack of commitment. I read one author who said, it costs something to be a disciple of Jesus, but it costs more 
to reject him. And I'm so blessed and so encouraged by a young family that says, you know what, I know it costs something, but we're willing to count that cost. We're willing to carry the cross to prove our mettle and to be worth our salt so that we can go and make sure that people in another country who need the gospel so desperately have a chance to hear it. So I'm gonna invite Clifford and Jennifer Lubin up and my dear bride Mel, and uh, we just wanna engage with them a little bit. Just be informal. We'll sit here on some stools. Grab a stool right here in the middle. You guys get to be the center of attention today. And uh, there's a microphone on your right, Jennifer. We've been on this journey how long now, guys? When do you want to start counting? <laughs> well, how long have we been on this journey together? Uh, I think eight years. Eight years. Wow. I mean, about as long as you've been at South Hills. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. Very much so. Uh, so, Clifford and Jennifer, can you share briefly um, why or how God called you into missions in general, and then also more specifically the Philippines? I can't necessarily speak for the why, but... Uh, <laughs> the how. <laughs> yeah, when I was about uh, anywhere from 12 to 13 years old, uh, basic level understanding of what it meant to be a Christian, be in a church, things like that. Uh, just one day I was doing the mundane stuff and I heard God just say, you're going to be in missions. And I thought, oh, cool. I had no idea what that meant. Mm. No idea. No idea that I would be on this journey. No idea that I would be saying goodbye this week to go take our family of six to the Philippines um, and so that's been a journey and confirmed time and time again through uh, praying about which college or university to go to. God shut all the doors except the one that would have us in missions. Um, praying time and time again about which country. God shut all the doors except to the Philippines. God shut all the doors except for our mission agency, World Venture. And... Time and time again, I just see God's faithfulness. And this journey, and I'm sure everyone who has been close to me knows that uh, I've fought this calling, and I've definitely had my feet just dug into the sand as far as I could go. But the more that I look around and I see the community that I'm with and the people who are there with me, and the more that I can see God working the less and less I see myself resisting, the more I see myself praying, the more I see myself open to what God has for me. And I think that that's huge. Cliff uh, actually got called um, to missions by reading the book of Acts back when he was in high school. So uh, a little bit different, but that was definitely a huge part of his calling is being able to do that. And why the Philippines? I mean, the world's a big place. So we were initially looking into, actually, Europe. My mom grew up as a military kid in Europe, and with the post-Christian culture there, there's an increased call for missionaries there. But uh, all our conversations with missionaries there didn't seem to really lead anywhere. And then, uh, so South Hills was partnered with Brent and Christine Ralston, as long as we've been alive. And... Uh, <laughs> 
It's a long time. The, I don't think they said you were old at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Brian and Mel, they begin mentoring us through this whole discernment process. Brian starts talking with the Ralstons about us. The Ralstons tell Brian that we sounded like the kind of couple they'd been praying for years would come out to the Philippines. And so Brian decided we were supposed to go to the Philippines. God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so he challenged us, hey, I think this might be a good fit for you guys, uh, the direction to go. And we're like, well, okay, we'll humor you. This is like one place that hasn't been on our radar, though. And it worked out. The Ralstons uh, were on home assignment shortly after that. We were able to connect with them in person. Uh, the personalities were the right match. The strengths and weaknesses were the right match. The uh, opportunity was the right match at church planting. Um, an ability to be work with experienced church planters when we first get out there. So, and then our agency, World Venture, uh, they called us up out of the blue, and we're like, "Hey, we know you guys are thinking about Europe, but we were just talking with one of our couples on home assignment named Brent and Christine Ralston." They're serving in the Philippines. We think they'd be a great fit for you guys. <laughs> they had no idea we were talking with each other already. And so to me, that seemed like a pretty good divine coincidence. Uh, uh, Jennifer was still resistant to the whole idea still. Well, I don't want to go into all the details because that would take way too long. But I will say uh, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a list person. And I had quite the extensive list of all the reasons why I didn't feel called to go to the Philippines. Like I said, digging my heels into the sand. So after a lot of prayer and God convicting me that like, hey, you're rejecting this just like your kids reject the food that you have worked so hard to pray or to prepare for them. I thought, oh, conviction, okay. So I laid it down and I just said, you know what, God, I'll throw away this, this whole entire list except one thing. I want to know that I will have family there, my family. And that to me was a little bit hard. I knew that my family had traveled some in Europe. I knew that my family has gone to different places, being in the military and serving. But um, the Philippines, to my knowledge, was never on the radar. So I thought, you know what, God, take care of this. I, I want family at least to visit us in the Philippines got on Facebook, said, hey guys, pray for us as we consider the Philippines. Very half-hearted, I'll admit. But um, a great uncle of mine that I'm not very close to said, hey, we're at in the Philippines, are you serving? I wrote out Cebu, Philippines. This is what we're hoping to do. This is what it might look like. Um, kind of the X, Y, and Z of it. And he said, well, I know all about Cebu, Philippines, because my wife and I have a house there. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? And from then on, it was very much like this. God has been preparing this for us to go to the Philippines even before we were born. And God's pinpoint accuracy, it, it could have been any country in the world. It could have been any island on the over 7,000 islands in the Philippines. But God chose that specific spot hmm. and that is the most pinpoint accuracy i've ever even been a part of in my life and so god's definitely had a plan this entire time that's awesome what are you guys going to be doing when you get there thumbnail sketch i know it'll change but <laughs> <laughs> so well the goal is to join church planting efforts there in that central region of the philippines uh, 
we're working with the sort of Filipino uh, sister Baptist association uh, called the Conservative Baptist Association of the Philippines. They're a very church-punting focused group. They, I think it was at the beginning of the millennium, they had a goal of 2,025 churches planted by the year 2025. Uh, and they, they want, they've asked one of the ways that the American church can continue to help them is to continue to send out church-planting missionaries in partnership with them. Uh, and it's very much a place that exemplifies uh, Jesus' statement, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Uh, a lot of people are very open to the gospel, uh, but it's a situation where I had one pastor tell me stories of people asking him to plant churches in their neighborhoods, and he's had nobody to send them. So, yeah, that's why we're going. Awesome. It's been a journey for Cliff and Jennifer. Some of you have been on that journey with them, uh, and you go, man, eight years, and uh, that's, that's, that's a while. Um, but one of the things that has encouraged Mel and I in particular is that Clifford and Jennifer have never had the perspective that ministry starts when they get to the Philippines. Matter of fact, when people questioned, boy, are, are they really the type of people we want to send? Uh, my overwhelming, our overwhelming response was, if we could bottle up Clifford and Jennifer and multiply them in South Hills Church, Kennewick would never be the same. Um, They've done things like uh, during COVID and Halloween was coming and Jennifer set up a harvest party in her backyard that families could come through one at a time so that they wouldn't have to worry about, you know, all the social distancing stuff back when that was huge, back in 2020, because she wanted to have a witness and testimony to her neighbors. They've intentionally built relationships with the Hispanic families either side of them. Clifford went and hung out at a... Um, Kurdish, Kurdish start market because he wanted to build relationship with the Muslim co- owner of the store and be a witness and a testimony to him. Very intentional each and every day about how they can build relationships with people so that they can share the gospel with people. And you know what? That's what they're going to do when they go to the Philippines. And uh, so their faithfulness in the waiting as they've counted the cost, as they've continued to lean in, waiting for God's perfect timing is part of what gives us tremendous confidence that they're going to go and have a tremendous ministry when they're there. Um, part of their, they've already mentioned, and part of the link for them is uh, Brent and Chris Ralston, who serve with World Venture. I'm going to invite them up. Brent and Chris are also supported by South Hills Church. Uh, they were church planters in the Philippines. Absolutely. But now their role is to serve as global directors for the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, So as such, they will be Clifford and Jennifer's boss. Uh, By the way, they'll also be our bosses come January. (laughs) So we'll try and be on our best behavior if we can. We're going to be on our bestest behavior. God loves you and we have a wonderful plan for you. (laughs) Touche. As we think about Clifford and Jennifer going, um, they're making a tremendous sacrifice to go. Um, But I was hoping you could give some insight as to who else is making a tremendous sacrifice for them to go. Um, I would say, Pastor Brian, you did mention this already, but family. Mm -hmm. Family is making the sacrifice. Um, We think about, as missionaries, how we go, that's a sacrifice for us, but we don't always consider the people we're leaving behind. And that is... um, you know, Clifford and Jennifer's families, 
parents and cousins and uh, other relatives. Uh, they're right here at South Hills. Uh, and so you have an opportunity to reach out to them and to minister to them as they say their goodbyes. I would also add all of you guys, the church. <laughs> There's a sacrifice on your part. Uh, as a church body, you support uh, financially uh, Clifford and Jennifer. Many of you support them individually as well. There's a sacrifice there. Uh, I would hope that all of you are able to pray for them. Uh, there's a, to use the common word of today, there's a commitment there mm. that you are their support team. You are partners with them as they go out. As they plant churches, those are daughter churches of South Hills Church in the Philippines. And so there's a sacrifice on your part also, and we know that you will uh, support them in all of those ways, sending teams out, encouragement, and uh, financial support, prayer. So those are all exciting things that we can be part of. How would you encourage Clifford and Jennifer to continue to stay faithful and committed as they go? Well, one is don't forget to stay connected to family um, here in the States and, and to your supporters as well, to your sending team. You know, stay committed, uh, stay connected as much as you can. Um, I think one thing that uh, you can do is, well, let me give you four. Um, <laughs> Brent's also a list person. Um, <laughs> and a preacher. Careful, brother. <laughs> I, I tell this to all of our appointees who are going out. Uh, one, go as a learner. Don't go as a teacher. And too many of us make that mistake. Uh, recognize that the Filipino people have tons that they can offer you and you can learn from them. And so even though you have the education, you have the experience, uh, go as a learner. Second, uh, go in humility. Um, I pray every day for humility. And I would encourage you, you know, no one wants an arrogant, proud person, but especially on the mission field, you need humility. Uh, pray for that, but, you know, don't thank the Lord that you've attained it either. Okay. <laughs> I did have one person, I asked them, you know, what's your greatest character quality? I think I got the character quality of humility. I think, nah, I don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> the third, maybe the most important is uh, you need to be relational. Uh, the Philippines is a very relational society, much more so than America. And you need to figure out how to develop relationships. If you are more... Uh, Task-oriented than people-oriented, it's going to be more difficult for you. You're going to have to work harder at it, but you need to become relational. And then the fourth is, I just call it team dynamics. You're going to be on teams. Um, You've got to figure out how to work with us, number one, uh, the missionary team. <laughs> and us. But also church planting team, you know, that will be a combination of missionaries and nationals. And then, of course, just the people that you're ministering to. And so figure out the team dynamics. Those are four things that I would suggest that you need to work on. And I would add to that as well, communication. There's a lot of people who are going to be watching you, and um, they've been journeying this whole time with you, and they're going to want to participate with what you're doing in the Philippines, and the only way that they're going to be able to do that is by your communication. So sometimes it just feels like a burden to sit down and throw up a Facebook post or send out an, an email or a newsletter. But 
everybody here is so in tune to what you guys are doing and they want to live vicariously because they're not going themselves and so the only way that they can do that is the more information you give them the more they'll be on journey with you uh, we get a chance to celebrate and commission Clifford and Jennifer out and I, I think I'm excited about it. I think every church should be a sending church. I would love to see um, more people go from South Hills Church uh, globally and to move cross-culturally. Talk to Brian. He has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> As does Brent. <laughs> but I also realize that that's not the reality for most of the people sitting here today. But commitment still is a reality because commitment has a cost, but so does lack of commitment. So Brent, I would ask you, what are some ways that you think, you believe that this message, even this example, could be played out in the lives of the people here at South Hills this week? Like you, as you've already shared, uh, we have observed Clifford and Jennifer, and we love the fact that they are witnessing for Christ right where they are. And... um, just about every letter is talking about, you know, Clifford meeting a Muslim guy or talking to a, a Mormon or talking to a Jehovah's Witness. And, and then, of course, the activities that you do, uh, Jennifer. We, we all need to be doing that, don't we? Uh, if you're like me, you're, if you're an introvert and it doesn't come natural to do that, I came up years ago with a little acrostic that I use where I don't need to fear sharing Christ because I realize that sharing Christ is, is not meeting people I don't know. It's sharing with people I already know. And we all have uh, four spheres of influence that we have uh, influence with. Uh, and I use the acrostic fear. Family. All of us have family. Many of our family mem- members don't know Christ. E, education or employment. You're probably either working someplace or you're a student. How many of those people don't know Christ? And you already have a relationship with them. And so you can develop, you can nurture that relationship. And as God opens the door to share uh, with them, uh, that's what we're called to do is to make disciples. The A stands for address. We all live somewhere. We have neighbors. And again, these are common uh, spheres of influence that we already have. And then the R stands for recreation. And that just means, what do you enjoy doing in your spare time, you know? Do you enjoy watching football? Do you enjoy going out and doing sports or biking or canoeing? Um, Maybe the ladies enjoy going shopping. Well, who do you do it with? Maybe it's not necessarily with believers. It may be with uh, pre-believers. And so there's those opportunities for all of us to be, our passage today, to be salt, to be salt and light in the communities where God has placed us. So I would just encourage all of us that we need to do that, even as we pray for Jennifer and Clifford as they go to the Philippines. We also need to pray that we can be an influence where God has placed us with the people that he has placed us with. As we were thinking about the service today and and commissioning Clifford and Jennifer and then even commissioning ourselves as we go out, uh, it seemed like a natural fit for us to pause for a moment and take communion. So I hope you grabbed uh, one on your way in. Uh, If you didn't, uh, perhaps maybe one of the ushers can uh, grab one or you could hustle to the back and grab one. Um, What we talked about today, the idea of carrying your cross. That's what Jesus did on your behalf. He picked up his cross. He went 
to Calvary and he died on the cross for your, you. He's asking us not to passively submit, but to actively surrender. Actively surrender our lives to him. So uh, I do need to give some instruction. There's like two foils. There's a little plastic one on the top that releases the bread. We're going to take the bread first. And we're going to remember the broken body that Jesus on the cross, allowing his body to be broken for you. And as you take this, I just ask that you, one, thank him for that, and two, ask him, how does he want you to be committed to him as he's been committed to you? And you want to carefully <laughs> peel back the foil. The juice, juice reminds us of the blood that was spilled. It was pierced for our transgressions and blood and water spilled out. Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. He did that out of love for you. If you've never experienced that love for yourself, that's the first step right there. He gives it freely. If you do know Jesus, again, I ask that you reflect on his sacrifice, his commitment, and ask him again, Lord, how do I be committed to you? Let's take the cup together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you counted the cost. That somehow, some reason, we were worth the cost. We're not worthy, but you chose, you chose to go to the cross anyway. You chose to carry your cross. You were committed to us. And God, I just pray that we would be people who would be committed. There might be somebody sitting here today that, that you're calling to move overseas like Cliff and Jennifer. And if so, I pray that you give them the courage to do that. But I also know that there's people sitting here today that you've called to serve in Kennewick and Pasco and Richland to reach their family, to reach their, those in their employment or education to reach those around their address, to reach those through their recreation, to just be faithful and be committed, to be intentional, to be salt. Show us, Lord. Show us where our priorities are out of whack and help us to put you as the greatest priority. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move into uh, just a worship song uh, at the moment. Uh, uh, do it again, right? Do it again. And we're going to ask Jesus to do it again, to continue to move in our life like he's moved previously. And during this song, we're going to move down to the floor. And uh, if 
you are a part of our global outreach team, if you're part of Lubin's care team, if you're part of their life group, if um, you have a deep relationship with the Lubins or with mom or dad, meet us right down here. Um, but just stand and sing with us.